0: And this week is another week where we invest ourselves into answering your questions. We have had heaps of questions come through on Private Message and we love it. So keep it coming, guys. We absolutely love to get your comments, your feedback, your questions and what you think and everything that you're going through because it really keeps us close to you, which is where we want to be. So if you've got any questions or anything that you'd like us to talk about, Make sure that you send us a private message or pop a note on the Facebook thread. And it's all the W's.facebook.com forward slash up for a chat where the spunks and the tarts and the rock stars chat. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So let's get started. We've got a question this week and Kimmy or Cindy, you got one of you girls has got the question for us. Well,
1: last week we had a question, as everybody may have heard, and if you haven't listened to it already, the question we had last week was how much this beautiful soul was currently suffering from horrible acne and dandruff since stopping the oral contraceptive pill. And if she wasn't hoping to start a family, she'd be tempted to go back on it just to clear her skin again. She eats super well, drinks plenty of water, and uses natural homemade skincare products, and she just felt that she was sure there were plenty of other women out there facing the same issues, and she thought it'd be really helpful if we could address it, which is what we did last week on the podcast, and we've had a lot of feedback on that podcast. So if you yourself know somebody who is on the pill or has been told to go on the pill or is looking at using the pill as a form of helping to clear the skin, you might be interested in how we went down the rabbit hole last week. Well, this beautiful soul sent us an answer and I just thought our listeners might like to hear um, what she had to say. Hey girls, thank you so much for answering my question on the podcast. Unfortunately for me, I realize I now just need to be patient as I believe I'm doing all the right things already. I start my day with lemon juice and apple cider vinegar. I buy organic and spray free produce, have dairy maybe once a month by grass fed and grass finished beef and organic chicken. I use toxin-free household cleaners and I've basically had a no-sugar diet for years now as sugar gives me mouth ulcers. I do eat some fruit occasionally because because it comes with soluble fiber and other minerals to help digest the fructose. I use frankincense and lavender essentials for my homemade skincare products with coconut oil, make my own fermented foods and kefir, exercise regularly, use parsley, coriander and dandelion root to aid liver detox. I have turmeric drinks every day. And I've been doing this all for years. So I believed I'd have smooth transition coming off the pill. I am. And then I was, I don't know about you girls, but I'm listening to this going, wow. I don't know why she, you know, why her skin perhaps had broken out. She said, I am, however, an emergency nurse who does shift work. So I'm guessing it's probably got a lot to do with that, which is why I'm now going to put more focus on mindfulness and yoga meditative practices. I am thinking I just have to learn to be patient, but I'm looking to look further into the liver cleansing diet. On a bright side, this experience has taught me so much about my body. Thank you. And yes, I will be avoiding coconut oil topically because we talked about the acids in coconut oil with skincare. So yes, she she took it all on board. I just I guess the reason I wanted to share that with you all is because Cindy and Karen, a lot of our listeners do do a very good lifestyle and do do all the right things yet things still go wrong so I thought her point there about patience was something that we could talk a little bit about before we get into the next question I just wanted to ask you both how patient you are when it comes to getting what you want and how do you combat impatience Uh (laughs) (laughs) because really the three of us are not very patient
0: (laughs) hence my giggle Cindy, you go first. Oh, I was going to... I'll be patient and wait. I have no,
2: like I'm not a patient person. I like to get things done. Um, one of the things that, um, while I was in the US, I saw this amazing book. Um, you know, when you're in the, all the airports there's always a good bookstores and there was this amazing book and I do not remember the name of this book now, but it was about a gentleman who did a speech and a speech at a university, uh, graduation class. And he was a Navy SEAL and, um, he said, and the speech was, and people can look it up because it is amazing. And he wrote a book on it and the speech is 10 things to do to change the world. And one of the things he said in, in doing this was every single morning, make your bed. And he said, the reason why you do that is it because you've completed task one and you're more likely to complete more and more tasks. And if you have a bad day, you come home to at least a a made bed. (laughs) (laughs) This is a Navy seal. This is a Navy seal. And he, the 10 things and, um, I, I actually took a photo of it. So let me tell you what those 10 things were. But why I'm saying this is that, um, is that I am task oriented. I write down what I need to get done and I work towards that. And the bed is something that I've always done and they've actually done studies that shows that if you do make your bed then the likelihood of you changing habits is far greater. So um, in, he talks about it in, in his book as well. But let me just see if I can find, I took a photo of the, of the 10 things. I didn't buy the book, silly me. You know how synchronicity works is you buy um, a book or you see a book and then if you meant to buy that book, then something comes up that you you should have got it. And what happened was within two days I watched the video. Somebody sent it to me. So it wasn't, you know, it wasn't far after that I had to watch the video. But here are the 10 uh, things that he says will change the world. Start your day with a task completed, which is making the bed. You can't do it alone. And he actually goes through his Navy SEAL training in order to do this. So you can't do it alone. Only the size of your heart matters. Life's not fair. Drive on. Failure can make you stronger you must dare greatly stand up to the bullies. Now I find that fascinating. He just says, don't let them trample you rise to the occasion. And I can't remember what that one was about. Give people hope. Now he really, he talked about when he was in Navy SEAL training, he was in a a mire of mud. So, you know, um, like mud up to his neck and they had to stay in that mire of mud for uh, overnight, I think it was 12 hours. And, and, you know, they were told you can, you can give up, you can all give up if you want, but if one gives up, you're all out. So everybody depended on each other. And then apparently about two hours into this mud mire, they, um, one man started singing And I'm sure it was always look on the bright side of life. (laughs) Well, that's what I thought. So anyway, he starts singing and it gives everybody hope and they all last through. So number nine was give hope, give people hope and never, ever quit. So I think being task orientated... uh, Allows you to be impatient because if you get up in the morning and you, you do the things that you want to do, then you know you're able to do it. But when it comes to healing, you know that's a little bit different. And, and one of the programs that we're bringing out at the moment is basically when nutrition is just not working a- enough. So here we have a lady, um, we answered her question. As you said, Kim, a lot of our listeners will be doing. Exactly what we're saying, but we're in crisis at the moment in on the planet as far as human health goes, um, because of chemical expo- exposures, because of agricultural practices, because of medications, because of vaccinations, because of antibiotics, because of things that we believe to be okay for the human body, and then we realize later, oh my gosh, maybe we've made a mistake. Especially, you know, with antibiotics, we we realised that we, we gave antibiotics for everything and now we have, you know, antibiotic-resistant diseases out there. So saying to somebody in the position that that young lady was in that we talked about last week and saying, oh, just change your diet, you know, use oils, do things like that and, and get chemicals out of your life, doesn't always work. And so then it's about, well, what do we have to do to go, what is it that we've got to do in order to get well? Um, and that's where patience comes in. And, um, and I, I, like I know when um, Casey was not well, um, I was very impatient. I wanted her to be well, but I knew that it was a step-by-step process and I had to learn that it just doesn't seem to be a fast track unless I wanted a miracle, although I really want them at times too. But, you know, it's just about um, you wanting that miracle. So I I probably haven't even answered the question. I've just complicated it. But for, for me, it's tasks. If I'm impatient, then I have to go through the tasks that I need to do in order to complete whatever it is I've got to complete. So let's say... This is the way I do it, is I always make my bed. There, that makes it really simple.
1: (laughs) Mm. Your turn, Karen.
0: Yeah, well, there you go, hey. Right. Mm. Not sure. (laughs) I know. I gave you plenty of time. (laughs) Yeah, you did, you did, but I was too busy listening to you. (laughs) I think... Um, I think naturally I'm a pretty patient person and if I find myself getting impatient, I'm, I can pull myself up and adapt. And I think I've been like that since I was a kid. Um, there are, I guess, times, and I'm just thinking out loud right now, I, you know, I've, every time I start exercising, I land up getting injured in some way every single time for the last, say, five years. And I don't know if it's because I'm getting old, but if this wasn't being recorded, everybody, I never said that. <laughs> but I <did>. love <laughs> getting injured and I get, I get frustrated with that. So I don't know if my frustration is impatience or if it's frustration for the sake of frustration. I'm not sure. But I think, you know, what do they say about being patient? When, when we're impatient, we're pushing against the very thing that we want, living in a state of lack of what we actually want. So the more we're impatient, the less creative we are, the less we are able to manifest. So the quicker we can get into flow with the reality of where we're at and get into acceptance, like we kind of spoke about last week, I guess, the quicker we can get to acceptance then the quicker we were able to resolve and reconcile the situation for ourselves both mentally, physically, spiritually and metaphysically. And, um, you know, I think we have got the ability to do that if we put in the effort because I think impatience is kind of like guilt. To me it feels like a very wasted experience, a very wasted cluster of energy. So if we could take that same amount of energy and invest it into finding a way to be okay with the way that things are, and I think sometimes we don't want to be okay with the way that things are because it's almost as if we're then in a state of acceptance and then we think if we get to that place, what we have will last forever. But it's actually quite the opposite. And the more you work with this, the sooner you'll see that it is actually the opposite. The quicker you get to acceptance, the quicker you can make change. But the more we stay in resistance, the more likely we are that we won't manifest change at all. And then eventually we land up just settling for what we have. So that's kind of my view on it. I think um, patience we can overcome. It's wasted energy and we can do better than that.
1: That's my thought.
2: You know, Karen, I love how you how you put things. That were, that were absolutely brilliant. You're right. Everything's perfect. You know, as you were saying it, Mm -hmm. I realized that patience and patient, are the same word. And so if you're a patient, and you always think of patient as in the term of health and illness, does that mean they have to be patient? Is that where that stems from? I just... It just clicked on me, and I thought, "Oh my gosh, they're all—you know—they're—they're they're called patients. It, that'd be redundant to look up. Actually, Kimmy while you tell us how you, um, how you would answer your own question. I'm—I'm I'm gonna that? look it up, and and then we'll let everybody know.
1: Mm-hmm how I deal with patience myself or impatience (laughs) I I think I'm very similar to you both where um, uh, you know I've had certain things happen in my life that have taught me um, it doesn't matter how hard you try how hard you push how far you want to do something um, nothing happens until it's meant to happen or vice versa. So I just, I don't know, the harder I push sometimes for wanting something to happen, the further away I seem to get from it. Sometimes when I release and let go and stop trying to get something, then all of a sudden it just seems to land in my lap. So I just, I don't know, I've probably learned as I've got older, particularly from you two, that um, just being in the now so often I would imagine impatience means that you're not present because you're looking to the future and you're wanting it to happen quicker than it is and it's not there yet so I'd imagine if I was listening to Jacqueline she'd say to me Impatience is the definition of not being present um, and patience um, you know is, is that a better word than present and I think being present probably would eradicate patients altogether because then there's no such thing that you having to be patient for because you're fully present so I guess the thing that I've learned is I can't push things it's it's like you go to a gym you sign up for a membership and you hope to look like those pictures on the front of the gym or those before and after photos and you soon realize that unless you're prepared to do the work and eat the food that you actually can't buy those abs and you can't buy those um, biceps and you can't buy a good butt you actually have to work for it and it takes time. So the things, you know, people have always said to me over time, anything worth having is worth waiting for. You know, sometimes they say love is patient and love is kind. Um, so if we look at all the things that are, are good in our world and the things that come to us as they're meant to, then perhaps the word patient isn't even necessary and it's more about where Karen would go into the word of presence. So I
0: don't know. I
1: am very I'll impatient. What you
0: put down. Hmm enough what you're putting down. I'm loving how you say but presence eliminates the necessity for being mm. patient. Mm. You're spot, mm. On. Mm. spot on. Spot mm-hmm. on. And presence also eliminates the necessity to trust too. You know, a lot of us think we've got to trust that everything will work out or you know just trust that we have everything the way that it's supposed to be. Mm. But you know trust trust is only necessary because we are so distrusting. Mm. But if we're present then we're able to be with whatever is there. And then there's no necessity for trust. There's no necessity for patience. There's no necessity for guilt. There's no necessity for any of that sort of stuff. Hmm,
1: it's so true, isn't
0: it? I like what you're saying there, girlfriend. I like it. Mm. I did a Karen then, didn't I?
1: <laughs> you get I scary. I <laughs> I'm, I'm becoming her. And I just did an interview on nutrition with somebody and I was like Cindy going oh my god I've become Cindy oh my god I've just become Cindy. oh my god. <laughs> we spend too much time together that's our problem All right. <laughs> oh, we don't spend enough time together
0: yeah, oh, I was going to say or well, not enough
2: <laughs> I look forward oh, to New Zealand yes. when we get to spend more time
0: oh with god, each I other
2: as well great. as with the people who are going hiking and, and, and spending time it's going to be great I can't mm. wait hmm.
1: did you girls mm. find out what patience means well, as far as the patience
2: well, I looked up the etymology of the word patient originally meant one who suffers. The English noun comes from the Latin word patiens, the present participle of the dependent verb. See, I'm not an English major, so I have no idea what's happening there. Um, so that was, that was... that Is that even English? Yeah, yeah, that was in, you know, and then the etymology of patience, I'm just going to that now... Um patience is from the Latin word patentia. Oh, gosh. All of which means to suffer, to endure, unyielding, to suffer without complaint. So interesting.
0: It I'm comes, looking at one here that also says, yeah. um, it also means indulgence, leniency, humility, submissiveness. Patience. Yeah, patience, humility, leniency, submission to lust. Oh, Kimmy, that's a bit of Yuri. I like the word now. I think you might. <laughs> <laughs> um, an abstract noun formed from the adjective potentium, nominative. Oh, I see what you're saying, Cindy. Meaning bearing, supporting, suffering, enduring, permitting, tolerant.
2: It's interesting, isn't it? Mm. So we don't actually use it in the right frame. Not when you read that, and when you read the etymology of the word, you know, and is patient, you know, they're actually saying it's suffering and enduring. Yeah, Yeah, being patient is to suffer and endure. What (laughs)
0: argument We are not being patient anymore. (laughs) We'll just be present. no freaking way will I be patient. I shall not suffer. I shall not endure. No. No, exactly. Oh, too funny. Just comes around. Jammed that up there, jumper.
2: Well, will we get to the next question? Do you want me to? Yeah, let's, oh, yeah. let's see let's that, do that one. It. Okay. Since we've, um, we've done that first one, which I really enjoyed, I, like we all thought that we would get through the two questions in one hour, but we didn't even get through the first question. No. We're still no, going. That's true. So, dear girls, I haven't messaged you before. I wanted to, but it felt a bit weird given we have never met. But I do need to say thank you, and I am also struggling with something. So here goes. First up, I want to say thank you so much for your podcast. I started listening to you about four or so years ago when a Kiwi ex boyfriend of mine who knew Cindy's daughter from chiropractic college told me to. It took a little while, but thanks to the wealth of information you share, I was able to sort so many issues I'd been having since my mid teens, both physical and psychological. I became the most content and happy and settled that I had ever been. It was amazing, so thank you very much. Secondly, and on a less positive note, I didn't think I'd ever lose that newfound happy place. But a year and a half ago I found out that I was pregnant. It was planned, but once the shock Oh, it wasn't planned, sorry. But once the shock passed, I was so excited. If there is one thing I know about my life, it's that I want to be a mum. But we went to our 12-week scan thinking all was okay and sadly they couldn't find a heartbeat. I had miscarried at about 11 weeks. I was devastated. Since then, despite efforts made, I have not been able to get back to that happy, content place And the issues I used to get, inflamed and bloated, holding extra weight, irritated, anxious and stressed, in a nutshell, are back and I haven't been able to get them under control like before. I think the hardest thing for me, and here I come to my question and which you may be able to help me with, is that I have really lost confidence in my beliefs around food and health because I lost the baby at a time when I felt the healthiest I had ever felt. So confident in my convictions around health, I now feel embarrassed and like a fraud, still believing in when despite focusing on health so much, my body failed to do such a basic primal thing, carry a baby. I know it's not my fault, but there is now some sort of barrier to get getting back to fully trusting it again. So due to that, if you can spare a minute, I know you are extremely busy. Any tips or any suggestions, even if it's just recommending listening back to some old podcasts of yours would be so appreciated. Thank you so much again. And apologies for the emotional information overload. <laughs> I love it. I, I, I think it's a brilliant question because I think there are a lot of people uh, in this situation at the moment. And if you lived in, a, in Australia You will know that a very famous athlete by the name of Dean Mercer at 47 years of age in brilliant physical uh, fitness as well as I know he had a very good diet. I don't know what his diet was. I've just been told by friends he had a really good diet, Uh, has a massive heart attack at 47 and dies. So I think that this is a really good time for this question because there are those you know those that there is well why why does that happen maybe I should just drink and smoke you know you're about 95 year olds that drink and smoke and they're still okay um so I think it's a great question what do you what do you guys think
0: yeah I think you know it's tough isn't it it's 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 that balance or that that willingness to know that there is an innate intelligence that's beating our hearts and breathing us that is beyond our control. And our desire to control an outcome is sometimes more the problem than the outcome itself. And I totally, I absolutely understand our listeners' point of view. Matt and I tried to have a baby for four years. And we couldn't fall pregnant. And I remember at the time thinking the same thing. You know, I I was following everything that you'd suggested, Cindy. I was exercising. I was as fit and I was as healthy as I knew how I could possibly be. But you know that, you know, and, and I don't have a physical explanation. I only have a, med- a metaphysical offering mm. and that is that, there is an innate intelligence that is way beyond anything we can ever comprehend. And if there was a book about it, it would probably be a lie because there's just a whole intelligence inside of the body that has one cell communicate to another cell. And we can't figure that out. We don't know what that is. So, you know, I think feeling like you're in that position where you feel like you don't trust yourself and you don't trust your body well you know your body is a vehicle that houses you so it's not separate from you but it is something you use and i think the more we can or the or the or the, the closer we can come to creating an environment internally that is not just determined by the food we eat or the exercise that we do, but is also determined by a mental and an emotional balance and contribution and harmony, then our chances of creating what we want, like having a baby, are enhanced. But we can still never be the ones that are in control of life or death. So my suggestion, for whatever it's worth, is to look obviously at your food and your detoxing and what you're doing for yourself physically, but I would also strongly suggest that you reach into a very profound process of meditation Um, and I would say go beyond the traditional forms that you see out there and look for some forms that go a little bit deeper that bring you a much more quiet mind and a long-term quiet mind, not just something short-term and temporary. Um, I would also suggest that you investigate some of the more ancient forms of yoga, kundalini yoga or kriya yoga, K-R-Y-A yoga, are uh, yogas that bring or, or postures that bring the mind, the body and the spirit into alignment. So they're not just postures for the sake of movement, they're postures for the sake of creating a spiritual connection. Those would certainly be my primary um, suggestions and to really look into bringing, um, like I said, just bringing quiet to the mind and to the body. And that Kriya Yoga brings silence to the body almost immediately. Now when you've got that, then then you're able to create inner harmony so there's my 20 cents worth, girl. So I'll leave the rest of it up to you because you probably know more about, you know, the physical side of it than what I ever could.
2: But I, I think, think it's yeah. everything, Karen. It's not just, um, you know, the physical. It is always the mind. You know, my dad always says nothing happens in the, the body before it happens in the mind first. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, and and to say that... I know the reaction will be, but I didn't. I didn't want that. I wanted this. This is what I wanted. Mm. And I think you have absolutely nailed it by saying, you know, there are some things that, um, you know, we we don't know, and the mind and the the body are connected. Mm. But what I'd like to, oh, can you do? Do you want to go next or?
1: Well, I just was thinking too that sometimes if you look at it from a soul perspective, um, particularly around pregnancy, my whole thing has always been, and this might sound a bit woo-woo and a little bit out there, but there's a whole lot of angels or souls up there and they're waiting to choose their parents, if you like. This is just one way I've looked at it. And when you are ready and your partner is ready, then the conception will occur, and not only the conception but the evolution of the pregnancy and obviously the birth. I guess the thing I've learnt through it all is that whilst you feel like they're your children, whilst you think that you've made these babies, I, I, I just... I don't know, I don't feel like they're mine at all. Um, and particularly now as teenagers, I realise that actually I've just been their guardian their whole lives to get them to a place and it being to live their life. Mm-hmm. And I haven't actually, I know I've played a huge role and I've been a coach and a supporter and an advocate and a, an absolute nurturer and lover of them both. But but when I look at them and these little people and who they've become and that they're actually on the cusp of adulthood, um, you know, the timing of them coming for us was perfect. And I guess I look at it another, way. I've got a friend who was desperate to fall pregnant. She was just, she was trying so hard and she'd made her decisions. She had all her degrees under her belt. Her partner is a bit older and he wasn't too sure whether they should or they shouldn't, but it became such a desperation for her. You'd almost think she became so obsessed and so almost depressed with it that it wasn't happening and her partner Anne didn't want to talk about it so she was quite a private girl but her partner then thought it was getting to the point where he was even questioning the relationship it was becoming so obsessive which I can absolutely attest I can imagine that happening but he went and bought a boat and decided to take them both out in the harbour and every weekend they'd go and do these things and they'd hang out together and they'd go and be in nature and they'd swim in the ocean. And, they, and what he noticed is gradually over a period of months, she unwound and they started looking forward to their weekends and going out in the boats. And, and they just started this different pattern, if you like, or a different um, action. And not well and behold, but, you know, she fell pregnant. And it was interesting when I asked her, oh, my gosh, imagine, imagine if you had fallen pregnant you know last year when you were trying she said oh my gosh I'm so glad I didn't because even though I acted like I was really calm I felt like I was doing all my meditations and all my quiet time and doing all the right things food wise and all of that she said when I compare myself to now I actually was nowhere near as as comfortable in my own skin and comfortable in my life and all of that and then I looked at that and I thought wow that's That was something greater than them. I mean, nothing changed except maybe the boats on weekends. So, you know, perhaps there's timing around that little soul, but also when you're ready, even though you think you're ready, maybe the universe knows more. Mm, I love it. Yeah, I
0: agree.
1: Yeah, I agree. And then I look at someone like Karen who you, I know you haven't physically had children, and I've asked myself why, because I reckon you'd be the most freaking amazing mother, and I would love to have talked to you if you had a child like Jacob. That would just be <laughs> the <laughs> um... <laughs> But I, um, I often think that someone like Karen, who is on such a mission, and has such an a un- nurturing and an. Um, She's not what I'd call a mollycoddle smothering mother. Certainly not. I don't mean that. I just mean she has a mothering way. And I've always felt that Karen is the mother of souls and that she has an ability to nurture one soul or to have us go after and look out for that soul. So there's a need for someone like Karen and the women and the men out there that haven't had children. There's often other things that they end up doing and yes they may not feel fulfilled or there may be problems around that but people that then realize it's not a part of their world and it's not going to happen in this lifetime they often have so many other brilliant aunties and uncles but there's often other things that they do that perhaps parents wouldn't necessarily um, have time to mm. give if you know what I mean and, and that's not a put down on either side I just mean it is what it is and let's embrace it for that. She says yeah, easily I, being a mother. I'm not trying to knock not being a mother. Don't get me wrong. No, here.
0: Kimmy, I, I'm with you 100%. There came a time where Matt and I both, well, I sat down with Matt and I just said to him, you know, it's time for me to let this go because I can feel my life calling me forward and this is just holding me back. So I'm very fortunate that I've got a partner who was, you know, very open to it being either way um, but I, you know, and and I feel for women who who spend their life wanting for a child, and you know, can't give birth. I definitely feel for people who who go through that. And and you know, I almost don't even know what to say about that. You know, what are your thoughts on this, Cindy?
2: Well, you know, it's interesting when we were talking about, um, you know, the, that person Kim you were talking about who relaxed and and they went out on their boat and then she got pregnant the amount of couples that try and try and try and then decide to adopt Mm. adopt the child and then get pregnant yeah is is phenomenal so we do know there's a psyche in this because you have to wonder how does that happen because nothing else has changed. You just have this child that's come into your life and, you know, and, and then you get pregnant. But the other thing is, is that um, despite us thinking we are healthy and despite that we are thinking that we're at our peak, we don't know what exposures we've had to chemicals, heavy metals, and the fact that she, this beautiful young lady, miscarried at eleven weeks, makes me think that number one that perhaps her baby was not forming properly, and that it it couldn't have survived um, the pregnancy. Perhaps her body was uh, had chemicals or something in it that didn't allow that baby, so it could have had endocrine disruptors, so it may not have allowed that baby to nurture within the the, the womb. So there are many factors we have to, to take into, uh, to, you know, to look at. It's not just, I feel the best I've ever felt. You don't know what you've been exposed to. You don't know what happened on conception you don't know whether you know the the cells were dividing properly and everything was working properly you don't know it could have been an anacephalic, a microcephalic a, you don't know exactly what was happening and i so to blame going on a diet and feeling the best you can as a reason that this happens is I, I don't think you can do that because there's too many other factors so it's interesting, um, you know. Let, let's just take glyphosate, and it's one chemical. And I know I talk about this a lot, but let's just take glyphosate. So one of the things that we do know with glyphosate is that it causes the amino acids in the shikimate pathway not to be produced, and it also stops folate being produced. So, or so when folate isn't being produced, then the chances of spina bifida increase and the, the chances of midline issues increase. You don't know whether you had been on a farm, this, this beautiful lady had been on a farm, um, whether the council had sprayed near her. And one of the things that um, when I bought my documentary out with what's with wheat, and then I put, and then we have a Facebook page called What's With Wheat, and we put articles up. And one of the things that they're finding is that glyphosate affects the embryological cells. So was she living in an area where the council sprayed, the glyphosate which then affected her baby and had nothing to do with what she had been doing but it affected her baby and when one of the articles that we did put up we about the embryological cells we had a lady call us at our office and said you're not going to believe this but my neighbor and I were pregnant together and they sprayed our verges with a chemical and we both lost our babies Mm. yeah so i just think it's i think what she's doing is brilliant looking at her health doing the metaphysical um and looking at the soul's journey but we we have there's too many factors to take into account and and to think that, you know, I should have and I'm losing faith in what I'm doing. And I would say that the same for um, Dean Mercer. We don't know, you know, what happened. And I do know that he was um, in Sydney at his um, grandmother's funeral the weekend before he passed away. I I did hear that. Um, And I I did also hear that um, he may have um, been tired, Um, you know, he came back late, he went out training. So we don't know what was happening there. And it is is a time where you question, here's a fit young man, here's someone who eats well, why did that happen to him? And I, I think the three of us have really said, well, there are more things that we need to factor in. Karen, you factoring in the metaphysical, um, and Kim, you factoring in the soul, and then I'm talking about we don't know what we're exposed to and what can cause that. So when we become more educated and we become more knowledgeable about these things, then we're not going to blame ourselves and our body all the time. We're going to realise there are more factors involved out there, And, and I hope this gives... Um, this beautiful young lady a, a bit of peace around this and that she's not a fraud and that she's not a fake and that what she's doing is right because she's not only affecting her body and her future children's body, but she's actually affecting the environment and the health of the planet and future generations by doing what she's doing. It's not always just about, us as individuals it's about us as individuals collectively changing our diets to organic foods looking at how we live our lifestyle getting chemicals out of our environment that then has this amazing knock-on effect um we don't even know what that knock-on effect will be i I, you know i don't know whether i've helped um or we've helped Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, we'll make sure that this young girl knows that we have talked about her question and maybe she can come back to us with, yeah, just with her feedback and whether it has helped her in any way.
1: You know, a lady said to me once, it was many years ago when we were trying to understand then how can, you know, miscarriage, because a number of my friends were having miscarriages, and um she said, in her words, she was an older lady. She said, um, "Oh no, darling! No, no, darling! No, no. The soul's soul's job was done, and I I, I never quite grasped it. But she, her, what I think I took from her was whether a soul comes into the body as a as an embryo and and doesn't make it any further." whatever, if you read Dr. Brian Weiss's work or anything like that, he also talks about that each of us on different journeys have different lifespans. Now, just because we think that a you know being a, an embryo is, is not long enough, who says from a soul perspective it isn't? The soul's job has happened this time. Otherwise, it would never have conceived in the first place. And so whether or not you think of it as... As that's like, I don't know if this gives any peace of mind, but some souls on planet Earth have to live live into their nineties, and some souls don't even make it, literally, um, in out of the birthing canal onto Earth. And yet, her understanding or her teaching to me in one of these classes I was doing was around the fact that we, in human terms, cannot actually judge what is the right amount of time or the lessons or the journey that we are all taking or the lessons we can take from that soul's journey. And it's only through Dr. Brian Reese's work years later and even, you know, um, I guess um, when you look at Wayne Dyer and all the work that the beautiful now deceased Louise Hay has done, all of those things when you're looking at, they're all looking at bigger, bigger entities or bigger pictures than what our human mind, heart and soul feels like it can cope with. So um, it just gave me a bit of peace, especially when Danny's sister passed away at 36 years of age, because I thought, how could someone like that die so tragically and so quickly, and you know, so sadly? And a mother of three, how surely her work wasn't done when she had three young children? But like Karen always says, when you go down the rabbit hole, who who says? And and how do we make sense of this in a human world, especially something that's so, they can't even put into words what this all looks or feels like or even if I'm even making sense. But I just, sometimes it gives me a bit of peace when I think it's that that soul, for whatever reason, that lesson was done this time round.
2: And the lesson for the person who's uh,
1: in that situation as well, Kim, you know, what, I think it's more. I yeah. think it's more the people left behind, or the people in human world, particularly with younger ones. I think their their journey was about teaching, perhaps, um, rather than actually even learning. I, I don't know.
2: And as Kim, as Karen always says, everything's perfect. So I always think that what happened to her and um, her, her creating no faith in her body. Uh, but then asking us this question and perhaps getting clarity around it. What if she didn't ask this question? What if she never got that clarity around it? What if she always became um, upset about the whole thing and and didn't understand it? So, um, you know, I think it's a brilliant question and I'm just wondering how many people think that way.
0: You know what I think, Cindy? I think the very fact that um, our listeners actually asked this question Mm. means that psychologically um, unconsciously metaphysically she's reaching for alignment with feeling better she's reaching for alignment with acceptance otherwise you wouldn't ask the question you'd just sit in the bitching and the moaning of the problem but she's not doing that she's saying how can i how can i get through this how can i get to the other side so you know I really, one thing I've discovered over the years of study is that there's never been a question asked in the history of time ever that doesn't have an answer. And so the minute we ask the question, the answer is either outside through, um, you know, research and skill learning or the answer inside. So we've got to dig a little bit deeper and we've got to be willing to look in that place. For this particular listener, I think that there's an invitation for her to actually look and see, hang on a second, I am asking to reconcile this. I'm asking for the way to make this right. I'm asking for that. But I'm just looking at it through the eyes of negativity or the eyes of it being the wrong thing or the eyes of resistance. But what if I look through the eyes of acceptance? I could say I'm actually asking for this to be made right. I want this to be made right. How can this be right for me? How can I make this right for me? And some of it will be research and things that she can physically do, and others will be things that she needs to go inside for her answer. So I think we always, the, the answer is always in the question somewhere. And if we're willing to look, that's going to sound very corny, but if we're willing to look with love in our hearts rather than resentment or hate or, 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 or um, sorrow or sadness or emotions that don't serve us but have a lot of energy if we're willing to look through love and say okay well what is right about this I'm asking for it to be right so now how can I create rightness no matter what
2: hmm.
0: so I have a question for you too
2: so I'm just rereading what she said to make sure that we answered it questions and I think this is interesting. Since then, despite efforts made, I have not been able to get back to that happy, content place and the issues I used to get, inflamed and bloated, holding extra weight, irritated, anxious and stressed in a nutshell, are back and I haven't been able to get them under control like before.
0: Now, That is 100% psychological.
2: Yeah, and, and my question is if you're still doing what, you know, you learnt to do, and you were doing all the health things. Or have you, if you have reverted back to your old ways of eating, because you don't trust in the process of good eating and food and and health? So I have a question around that: Have you gone back to your old ways, or you're still doing the good things? Then it is exactly as you Sam said: it's me- it's psychological, isn't it? It's yeah, and that's Absolutely. what. So I think we can't
0: define that, but we can look at both ways, can't we, Karen? one hundred percent, one hundred percent. And you know those habituated ways of being, those default responses—they live inside of the body. So the body, the brain—if you think of it, the brain is the intellect and the conscious mind; the body is the unconscious mind. So all of the default positions and the default responses and behaviors that we have live in the body on a cellular level. So if we want to create change on an unconscious level, first of all, we've got to create the conscious change, but then we've got to create the unconscious change on a cellular level by feeding the cells different neuropeptides. So it's kind of like change the mind to change the body uh, and change the body to change the mind. So if our listener has gone back to her old ways and don't beat yourself up about that because and it certainly sounds like psychologically you have. It's normal, it's natural, and you don't know any other way to be. It's almost as if you've always looked through sunglasses that were yellow. And if all of a sudden I said, oh, just look through blue sunglasses, you wouldn't know what the hell I was talking about because you only know to look through yellow. So what we need to try to do is to support you through creating new states of being, new ways of being, and it will all be driven by your conscious decision-making and your willpower. Now, our willpower lives in the prefrontal cortex and the more we draw on it, the more depleted it becomes. Now, willpower does take about four months, they say, between four to six months to replenish itself. But you have to replenish it by, one, not drawing on it, two, through meditation and through exercise and through, through, through obviously um, whole foods and eating well and rest. Number one, the hardest thing though is to not draw on your willpower when you don't like the circumstances that you're in. So um, for, for our listener, you're going to have to rest. You're going to have to take your foot off the pedal. You're going to have to be kind to yourself. You're going to have to start journaling, making vision boards if that's your thing, getting yourself ready to start to take action towards what you want, but hold yourself back as long as you possibly can um, because the more you draw on your willpower to make this change, the more depleted it's going to become and the less sustainable your change will actually be in the long term. So just know that what you're doing is default position, and it's one hundred percent normal. So cut yourself some slack. Everybody's doing exactly the it's, same thing.
2: Yeah. And the other mm. thing she asked, you know, is there a podcast that we could refer to? And I think Joe Dispenza's mm. them, one we talked about with Joe, as mm. well as the one the interview you did with Joe. I think if she wants to listen to more about the mind, because she sounds like she's got the physical right, but to learn more about the mind, then, then they would be the two podcasts. I just don't remember the numbers, but they were only in the last couple of months that we, we have done them. Yeah, mine
0: was um, that I did with Dr. Joe Dispenza. On Karen's on karenscouch.com, I think, and that was... Oh, no, we did put it on Up For A Chat, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Mm. Yeah. That was my episode 63. I can't remember the number that we had for it on Up For A Chat. Well, anyway, yeah, no, you're right, Cindy. Yeah, it's great advice.
2: Yeah, just refer to that one because then that gives her more information, and we really went through that in a in a, yeah. a huge way. And another one is what would be worth doing is, did we do manifesting Matisse? Did yeah, you heard and that would have been earlier on. So, look, if we can find those interviews, we'll we'll get those numbers on. Um, you know, the show notes so that people can go to them if they're, they're having the same struggles and the same problems. And the other thing I wanted to say is that she talked about uh, a basic primal, you know, bodily function. The body should be able to do it. There is so much infertility at the moment around the world. One in six couples, and I think it's growing to one in five couples cannot get pregnant without using IVF or fertility, some sort of fertility changes. So um, yes, it is a basic primal body function that we should be able to do. But we there are a lot of endocrine disruptors uh, and so on the physical level, not the mental level, uh, we can't even see them. They are silent endocrine disruptors. They're in our water supply like I said, glyphosate is one of them as well. It's not only, you know, affects embryological cell, but it also sell, um, is an endocrine disruptor. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm with you. I think she needs to cut, cut herself some slack and, and keep going with what she's doing and, change, you know, change those things. And as far as her gut goes, because it sounds like she's got gut issues, like we can help her with those if that is the primal problem. Um, we can help her you know do the gut and get the gut well uh, once again it's, it's only can I just um, um,
1: I think yes. Just one thing that you brought up before that she said that you know she's gone back to her old ways and she's gone back to what she was doing and she can't get back to that happy place and doesn't that come into it then that what did you do it for in the first place? So so often, Cindy, you'll notice people do the four-phase fat elimination or the hunter-gatherer diet or any sort of diet. They do it for the three weeks, the 10 weeks, the six weeks, whatever time it is, all to get the protocol done, to lose the weight, to, to feel better, whatever. But in fact, they go back to their old ways as soon as the diet's finished because they feel like, oh, good, I did that. I should be different now. And, and in many ways, missing the whole point of the the protocol in the first place, which is is a change for life, not just for the twelve weeks or the eight weeks that you do the course or the gym program. It is a starting point for the rest of your life. It's it's getting on the train and staying on that train, not just hopping off after eight stops and thinking that life will be the same. It's just a different view. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think perhaps that just just hearing the languaging in there, I'm just wondering if she missed the point, and this isn't is a put down, but missed the point of what you did the preparation for pregnancy was which is all to fall pregnant what about to fall pregnant and bring into the world a very happy healthy well-rounded um well-evolved and cellularly put together structurally correct human being given all the endocrine disrupting things that go on in our world maybe the universe went actually it wasn't quite right you did a lot of things good. We got the pregnancy, but we didn't quite get it all right. Therefore, um, this bubba, you know, in many ways, you know, maybe having a child with all sorts of needs was is just would, would have been a bit more challenging than, than going back to basics and starting afresh and and given this opportunity to now do even more. Um, you've, done your, you've done your degree. Now you've got to get a master's in it. So just just keep learning and keep staying on that path, but keep your mind open to an evolving journey, not a stepping stone. Um, I've done that. It's done. I've ticked it off the list. I think that, that might help a little bit too. I,
2: I, and you know what? I was at a conference that said health is not linear. Mm. So you're right. It's an evolving thing it's not linear where it goes up and up and up and up and up it you know there are challenges that come to us in in mentally and physically and and so there are ups and downs and um, we just have to have the tools in order to make sure that that um, that we can cope with those and that we can continue on our journey mm. and especially in this challenging era of Um, the world at the moment and it is challenging in in many many ways
0: yeah i agree i think we have just got to all realize we're doing the best that we can based on what we know and where we're at and you know just know that there's always more opportunity for improvement there's always room for growth there's always room for expansion and nothing happens on the face of the earth that is designed to be destructive It's just our relationship to things that sometimes makes them feel like they're destructive. But everything is always designed for our expansion and for our growth. And if we can see things that way, then we can kind of look forward to those more challenging moments and look look inside of those challenging moments to say, well, where's the gift? What's Mm -hmm. in it for me? Let me find it.
1: You might not feel it in that no. moment, which is also the work, isn't it? You've got to oh, go yes. through the disappointment, the anger, the guilt, the frustration. All of those are very relevant and I wouldn't say no. that something bad happens and we all go, oh, wow, what's a, what a great learning. <laughs> I, well,
0: no, I, I tried time. that. I tried that a couple of weeks back. Yeah. I, th- you know, I had something go wrong and I went, oh, ripper, that's what," <laughs> 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 And I tried it. And I tried it and I tried it. And I, every time I wanted to indulge in a negative thought about it or get furious, I kept pulling myself up and saying, no, 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 you've committed to try something different just to see if it works, just to see. You don't have to stick with this. You can go back to complaining tomorrow, but just for the one day you've committed to it. And I have to say to you 100%, by the time I woke up the following morning, I was actually cheering that that particular situation had occurred. So... So it's, worth so it's worth
1: a try. It's worth a try. And you know, I had, so wanted to let go. I <laughs> I idea. But I think that's why not try it on? Why not? But we, we did have one other listener. Well, one other listener, and I think we've answered her question. I just want you to know that we did acknowledge it. But there's one question here I've got for you both. Um, she said, hi, girls. I just listened to the latest episode and heard the question that will be on the next episode which is the one we just talked about today. This is also me, and I'm really looking forward to your thoughts. Mm. Um, My husband and I also prepared for a year. This wasn't the same one, was it? No. No, it's not. I prepared for a year before conceiving, seeing a functional medicine doctor and spending over $10,000 on tests and supplements, including genetic testing, to address health concerns and to make sure all our levels were optimal. We did everything from the Francesca Nation book and conceived straight away, but unfortunately had a miscarriage three weeks ago. It's been really difficult and I feel embarrassed, especially as I started a blog about my journey and preconception health. Mm. We're going to try again soon, but it was just such a shock and I can't wait to hear what you say. I just interested that, again, if she really, I just want to know what your thoughts are about whether she should, or not should, but the, the word embarrassed. Like, you know, we put ourselves out there, you're sharing a journey that didn't go quite according to plan, then share that journey as well perhaps what's your thoughts i
2: agree kim um the amount of people that go through this look look at nicole bismar 10 miscarriages wow and it was because of her home her home had mold it had i can't remember the things but they figured it out and they moved out of the home and she became pregnant and was able to you know Carry on, have babies, but she had ten. You read her story; she's amazing. So I think it's not embarrassing. It's the journey. It's this is happening to people all the time. So um, yeah, I'm, my my thoughts is tell the world, tell people what you've done. They'll they will relate to it,
0: and we won't feel so alone and isolated. I think the more we're open to sharing what's going on for ourselves, the better. I say, go for it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I'm with you. Well, this has been a terrific podcast and hopefully our listeners have gotten so much out of it as much as I guess we have. It's been a really contemplative podcast, I think, and I think it was right from the very beginning. So thank you for sharing it with us. And thank you, girls. We'll see you next week on Up for a Chat. Um, If you guys have got any questions or any uh, comments about today's podcast, please make sure that you go to our Facebook page at allthews.facebook.com forward slash up for a chat or you can also go to w's.thewellnesscouch.com forward slash up for a chat. Now, we're going to look so forward to seeing you guys here next week or chatting with you guys again next week. Make sure that you do let us know if there's anything that you want us to talk about or questions that you've got. You know, we love to hear from you, so go ahead and do that. And we can't wait to share what we've got for you next week. So make sure that you tune in. And by the way, don't forget, give us a five-star rating on iTunes when you log in and tell all of your friends about Up For A Chat. So we can't wait to see you same time, same station next week right here on Up For A Chat where you get to become part of the ripple effect that's changing the world. We're going to see you on the ride. Bye for now, everybody.